from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. <laughs> hey, welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors broadcasting live this morning out at uh, Southeastern Tackle. We're at the corner of Florida and Florbraska in uh, Tampa. If you're going across uh, 275, you just get off on Florida and go north, and it's about maybe a mile up the road uh, just before you get to the corner of Florbraska. It's right there on the uh, right left hand right hand side of the road. You got to park on the left hand side of the road. So uh, get over in the far left lane, park over in the church parking, and walk across the street because there's no parking in the parking lot today. It's completely filled with uh, tents and kiosks and rods and reels and shirts and boats. I mean, everything's out here. So uh, come on out and get your uh, Christmas shopping done today. But uh, you were talking a little bit earlier about this big marlin uh, fish that was caught this past week. It was all over social media. It was all over uh, a couple of news agencies put it out there. Uh, but I, I thought well, the same way that Glenn did. The interesting thing about it was the comments that were made about about this fish. Well, this the, to fill everybody in in case you haven't already been familiar with the story. This past, I think it was early in the week, uh, a 1,400 pound marlin was taken, and uh, during the fight, I don't remember where it was caught. Was it uh, somewhere down in Australia? Area, yeah. But uh, during the fight, the fish died. Uh, through, through, and so they they kept the fish. They brought it to shore because they were going to turn it into turn it over for science to try to get some research and everything else. There wasn't no reason to really just cut the cable and just let it go and become shark bait. Um, so they brought it back in. And of course, the criticism that he's received uh, from social media people and a lot of times uh, on that, uh, there's a lot of uneducated people that's making comments and uh, just talking. I mean, almost to the point of the hate side it's just incredible some of the comments well the the thing that always gets me is it's not only coming from any animal rights extremists but also from other fishermen that are like oh you know you should have let that go i mean you shouldn't have let it go you shouldn't have fought it that long you have you know they they throw all this it's easy to be an armchair quarterback but you know as it was pointed out earlier those boats that go out to catch fish like that they are specific and usually a species or at least targeting those pelagics like that so the last thing they really want to do is to kill that fish and they know what the limit is so if this guy was fighting this thing for two hours or three hours somebody on that boat would have went we got to get it in quickly as possible get this fish tagged and get him out of here before he does die it's kind of like when you're fishing in boca grant you don't have time to mess around with that tarpon you got to get it to the boat as quick as possible for the the bull sharks and the hammerheads find it. So you got to get it in, get it to the boat, get the hook out of it, get your picture, and let it go as quick as you can. And uh, so we thought, who else to talk to about it but a guide, a boat captain who goes out and spends literally 90% of his life out on the water, and Randy Pax, who's now doing the same thing uh, in his retirement years. Yes. Well, right. we got it We got it covered. <laughs> we got the saltwater side. We got the freshwater side. And uh, Yeah. But with uh, Captain Kevin Little sitting at the table with us, um, you know, what what's your take on that as an angler as a as a guide himself out there and you got a client on the boat and say they caught something that you think may become part of the record book uh, are you telling them 
as Braden pointed out, to get it to the boat as quick as you can so you could do what you got to do to release it. But on the other side of that, in this situation where the guy got it to the boat and it expired, uh, probably because of the age, uh, the con- the health condition or whatever, uh, and, of course, the, stre- the stress of the fight itself. Well, I'm, I'm sure most of these people that's given it, you know, a, a bad rap, it, uh, talking about how, you know, they shouldn't have done this, whatever. I'm kind of skeptical, too, on one side of the fence. I play the devil's advocate a lot. So I'm skeptical a little bit because these guys have fought this fish, and they got it up to the boat, you know, and they say it died. Well, okay, did they, they're pulling it alongside the boat to try to revive it, is it when they let it go, it don't swim away? Because the marlin that I've seen that they've let go on TV, I've never caught a marlin. I've caught some sailfish and stuff. But the marlin that I've seen them let go, they just let them go off into the abyss. So now you're talking about that's if that's the way they do it and they've let it go, it's 1,400 pounds and it just starts sinking off into the abyss. How do they know if it didn't? If they didn't let it go, how did they know no, it that it survive. Did, did, didn't survive? Or did they say, you know, we caught, we fought this thing for six hours and it's pretty wore out. It ain't kicking alongside the vote very good, so we're going to call it dead and we're going to bring it back to the shore and get some cool pictures with it. But like, like we said before, you know, these guys here spend millions of dollars on boats. They spend tens of thousands of dollars on rods and reels, tens of thousands of dollars on gas trolling out there. They, they, they're in the marlin clubs, like people are in turkey clubs, duck clubs, and those are your biggest contra- uh, conservationists. And they're out there, you know, they're trying to protect the species. So, you know, either you had a guy that just caught the biggest fish of his entire life and he wanted the uh, recognition from social media and everything like that and it backfired on him or you know the fish really died and he had to bring it back ashore why waste a fish like that yeah because uh all the knowledge that they get from the scientific side of it uh from this fish the i was reading another story uh from a guy who's a, a biologist and uh a big advocate of fish and ter- you know for the uh, marlin itself and as he pointed out they really don't the people that's really criticized and really don't truly understand uh as you pointed out too did the guy really capture uh, keep it because he wanted the recognition, or was it that the fish was dying or it was dead, and uh, and they brought it back in for that research? Um, as our good friend Steve Austin says, social media is really killing a lot of our recreational side of hunting and fishing because people are posting all that stuff, and then that guy that's over there, that lady that's on the fence about it, are really now going saying, you know what? That's a murderous person. They shouldn't be allowed to do that, and I'm going to cast my vote tomorrow or whenever the opportunity comes to stop all fishing, stop all hunting. I'm not That's going to right. have it no more. So, uh, yeah, they turn it into a, what they think is a blood sport. Right. You know, it's, pre- it, 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 it's prejudgment on everything anymore on social media. It doesn't matter what, if it's hunting or fishing. I mean, if, if you've got all these friends that you say that's your friends and you've let them on your, on your side and uh, one of them don't like something you do, they get it going and everybody's got an opinion. And after that, and you can sit there for hours and banter back and forth and back <laughs> you can, and you forth. You can last for days if you get into a really good argument. Oh, man. It almost, uh, you know, uh, you know, I post stuff about myself and you know hardly do anything about my family it's usually about my fishing or or hunting or you know what i'm doing in my yard or rebuilding this or that you know just helpful stuff but you know the banter back and forth it's almost useless anymore because you've got so much negativity and then you got so many opinions and then you're gonna offend somebody and now you know you've offended them they're not your friend you know and and you're doing it all in text 
and, and you know people's not looking at your eyes exactly. and they're not looking at your expressions on your face and they don't know just because you text uh, uh, some wordage there they don't know really how you feel because they're not reading your body language so they walk away feeling offended and then urban legend takes over and you're some mean guy and you know you're some toothless redneck who right. wants to go out and kill everything right, right. but uh, the other thing is is i've i've learned uh, the hard way that you know what if that's your belief you're not going to change their mind anyway. that's right and so all you're doing is just spitting into the wind uh you know it's it's not accomplishing anything now if you and i had differences of opinions and we're sitting across the table from each other there are a chance that we could convince each other of whatever our thing and say, well, you're not looking at it this way. When you're only trying to write a sentence of 30 or 40 words at a time, you can't explain what you're, right. like you said, you can't see the body language if I'm making you mad. That's right. That's or right. if you're getting offended or you're tightening your jaw or, or you're relaxing going, you know what, and starting to think and go, you know what, you're right, you got a good point that's, there. Right. That's why and I leave it all to Braden to take care of. <laughs> we don't know what happened to that fish later. It could have been a, a group like Metropolitan Ministries here that got that that fish and got all sure. that meat and, and fed lots of hungry people. Oh yeah, because 14 on the freshwater side, we we make sure that if there's any fish at all in our tournaments that die, they're going to a legitimate uh, group that's going to feed the hungry. I mean, feed the poor, or feed the homeless that are in Lakeland. Well, the other thing is, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not, I don't claim, I don't know, I'm not a biologist for pelagic fish, so I don't know what the breeding capacity of a 1400 pound marlin is uh, male or female they didn't distinguish in the story but uh i don't know what the 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 downturn of a of a breeding marlin is you know when a buck gets around six seven years old you know he's he's not as active as he was when he was four right. or five or well, three so, he's at his peak he's at his peak right there so anything yeah. after five or six he's going to start going downhill exactly and he's not going to live to 50 or 60 years Fish, fish. On the other hand, they live longer because of the environment they're they're in. And uh, but you got to think of a fourteen hundred pound marlin. He is pretty much at his peak weight. I mean, he he is he is as big as probably he's going to get. Now, will he add a few pounds or lose a big a few pounds according to how many yellowfin tuna he's ate that week? But he's probably at his peak deal right there. So uh, it's probably took him twenty five thirty years to get there. So it, was he on his way out when they called him? I mean, that's for the biologists to determine, and right. that's why they one of the reasons why they brought it back in. I Let the marine biologists get a hold of it first before we fillet it. I personally think that the fish probably did die, and they used their judgment out there and said, "Hey, this thing ain't kicking." These guys to catch a fourteen hundred pound marlin, they were that good. They probably caught quite a few of them, and they've released a few of them. And they probably said, "You know, they what? know their job. Yeah, they know this, their business." This guys, hang on, we got to take a break. We'll, we'll let you complain after we get back. All right. Well, it's the Big and Wild Outdoors broadcaster from Southeastern Tackle today. Big, huge sale going on. you got to come out and see the stuff. It's a whole parking lot full of it. We are the Big and Wild, brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. And welcome back, Big and Wild Outdoors. Man, it's been action-packed. Time is just flying by out here. At Southeastern Tackle, come on out and see us. But before the break, we have Captain Mike Little, uh, or Kevin Little, sorry about that. Uh, I got a friend of mine named Mike. <laughs> no no so, worries. No worries. <laughs> so you've been called worse, but Kevin's good. Kevin's good. <laughs> Kevin's good. At least, at least it'll get my attention. That's for sure. Well, Captain Kev, Kevin Little sitting with us and uh, talking about the Marlin with the, um, the social media bash that's been taking place from both, uh, both sides of the fence, uh, the anglers themselves and, of course, uh, 
it really just goes back and boils down to, as you pointed out, going to the break. They used a judgment call. And uh, with that captain on the boat and his probably gets his livelihood. thousands and thousands and thousands of yeah, dollars. His livelihood on the line. Fish. And, of course, uh, you know, them guys, it's like anybody. You, you made some very good topic points is the fact that most of your recreational fishermen and hunters are the biggest supporters of the habitat and to protect the species that uh, they're they're trying to catch or hunt. So uh, those people that are on the other side of that fence that all they want to do is criticize and stop it all outright. But when you stop it, then there's no money coming in to protect it. So what what was the law? uh, They were in their rights. They had all legal rights to keep the fish. Did they? Yes. In Australia. Okay. Uh, There's, they could, they could keep the fish, but uh, a lot of the fish they catch is, as it pointed out, 90% uh, have a survival rate when they're released to start with uh, within a manageable time. And in this case, that he's part of that 10% right. uh, that, that, that died. And that's really what you boil down to. You have to take uh, that person probably has no prior convictions or penalties, uh, and his credibility is probably in his integrity of his fishing side of it is you take it for face value. That guy took a judgment call, said, okay, the fish isn't going to expire or it died. Let's take it back in and try to get some good uh, scientific data to help promote and protect. Well, that might be their law down there. If the fish does die, it has to go to a biologist for them to check and see maybe why it expired. Uh, Maybe there was some other reason. Like you said, it could have been weakened from parasites. It could have been anything. Heck, it could have have been on a long line for four days and finally got broke off when they were trying to get in, and uh, it was weakened from that before, uh, two days before. You don't know. And uh, that's for the biologist to determine. And then after it was done, you know, the guy's got his, all he has is some pictures and some measurements, and if uh, he can afford a trip like that, I'm sure he's going to be calling some big fiberglass mount company and have it made. And have it right there in well, his own uh, letter. If, if it was in law, I mean, he, if he, he wasn't breaking the law in any kind of way, I'm good with it. My personal feelings, you know, I'm good with it. He did. He followed the law. It wasn't like they was breaking the law. And two, if you look at the captain, I mean, you might you might start questioning it if this captain every other week is coming up to the docks with a marlin, you know, a 500 pound, 600 pound marlin. Then you can start questioning his. Uh, you know, what kind of person he is or something like that, but, you know. Or what kind of captain he is and maybe he doesn't know his stuff. Right. Well, right here in uh, our Tampa Bay area and uh, our listening, we cover all the way to the East Coast, but uh, I don't know how many years you've been captaining. and Good while, good while. Well, we won't throw it out there so you don't know how old you are. but (laughs) More than a week. (laughs) Uh, One of the big things that we always see is uh, in our show is decline here, increase a few numbers there, but uh, when I go – and drive up, sometimes the boat ramps are empty or they're just half full. Uh, your experience, do you see the uh, fishing industry in a decline or do you see it in a upward swing, more people fishing, or what's your take? Or more jet skis. Well, well, there's a few of those around. More, <laughs> more, more paddle boats these days and uh, kayakers, but, uh, yeah, there's a few jet skis out there. They're aggravating, but that's another topic. Um you know, I, I really think it's kind of leveled off. You know, I, there's still a lot of people out there fishing. You know, spring, everybody's been in the winter. They they need their fix to go out and catch fish. You know, they get out there. The days get pretty. The wind lays down. It's cool in the morning. Everybody's wanting to do it in the spring. And then as summer comes around, it kind of lays off. But, uh, yeah, I think it's about the same. You know, it just seems like, to me, there's more people because I'm out there more. 
during the middle of the week, there just don't seem that many people out there. During the fall of the year, there's not many people out there. You've got school back in session. You've got, you know, Christmas and the holidays around. It's cold. The fish are a little tougher to bite. You know, you can't catch bait. Uh, there's not bait people out there catching bait for you. That's a big thing now. Uh, everybody can run to the bait boats and catch bait now and with a $20 bill and go fishing. So, uh, no, I don't think there's more people. I just think it's the, it's kind of leveled off. And uh, but there again, uh, you talk about you know fishing. You talk about hunting. You know everybody. Every hunting show I see, they say you know hunting's on a decline. Well, go try to find you a lease in Georgia and tell me hunting's on a decline. Yeah, go <laughs> go stomp around out in Croom or uh, right. Citrus or something. See how many trucks you got or how many guys you run into an orange vest. You know those numbers are based on the license sales. You know how many licenses are being sold, but. Uh, so with with fishing, I guess the the numbers are becoming out. They said uh, about the Florida fishing license how many are sold, and if there's any decline in it. But as you pointed out, when you pull up, sometimes those boat ramps are packed out. You can't put a boat in. And nope. well, I tell you, but when keep, I get there, when I get there in the morning, I'm so early in the morning. I get I I get my same parking place every day. It's right in front of the thing because I'm usually there so early. But coming home in the afternoon, you know. When I drop in my clients off, you know, two thirty, three thirty, four thirty, whatever, you know, it, that place is packed on the weekends. It's just Fridays, Fridays through Sundays, it is packed. So yeah. when we pull up to the boat ramp and we see uh, your truck and trailer still there, we can determine whether it's going to be a good day or not. If you're out by <laughs> noon, it's a good day. It if could you're be still a bad day. Three if, or four o'clock. Well, wait a minute. Uh-uh, it no. could if be I'm what they're the paying water, it's for. It's a good day. It's a it's a good day. <laughs> but, but keep in mind, sometimes we look at just the sheer numbers. We could have the exact same number as last year in license sales, but have a decline. And that's because of the number of people are constantly increasing. So when you look at it as the percentage of the population, you may be declining even even though your numbers are staying. So what you're saying is it's not bringing in new hunters or new fishermen. It's just the same guys doing it over and over again? No, we may have uh, 10,000 people moved to the state, but we only got 500 of those people fishing or hunting that you know you have to look at the percentage of the population yeah but you got to remember there's also a certain percentage of that population who doesn't uh know what the fishing rules are or what they need or anything else like that and still go do it you, right. you, i mean you could, you could be completely in the know last month and this month it could be different right. well, well that's that's true <laughs> that, that's, I mean, a, if you that's a true place. challenge right there that is a true challenge <laughs> you, you know, know? Yeah. well i'm gonna ask you this What's your what's your hottest bait on the water besides live bait? Oh, Miradines. Miralure Miradines. I'm a Tampa guy. I've been fishing Miralure all my life. Now there's some other baits out there. Rapala makes some beautiful baits and they you know, a bait's only as good as your confidence in fishing it. If you if you got confidence in a fishing lure, you can throw that thing all day long. You can work it through this uh uh where the fish are going to be at and you can really concentrate and get that bite if you don't have any constant any faith in that lure you're cutting it off throwing it back in your box tying something else on throwing it three times you didn't catch a fish you're cutting it off again but if you got confidence in a lure you'll throw that thing all day long and believe in it and the mirror deans by uh, mirror lure uh i haven't found a color that doesn't work uh, it's the action. It's the you can't work it wrong. You can you might be able to work it a little too fast sometimes, but you know normally that Miradine, if you can hold your rod tip off the water and give it subtle twitches and real twitch, real twitch, real, and change it up a little bit, that's a fish catching lure. That's yeah. the best out there to me. Do you miss the love lures? The love lures. Uh, 
Love bugs and love lures? What the old we? love lures. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. The old yeah. tandem. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, those were, when I was a kid, you talk about a confidence bait. You catch everything from flounder to blowfish to ladyfish to jack, anything you wanted. Right, Snook, right, redfish, right. even grouper if that, you got out. That old pink one. That old pink one yep. was hard to beat, wasn't it? That yeah, light it was. pink. Yeah. Walmart only carried like two colors: make? a green one and a pink one, and that's what you bought. You yeah. Know? Do they not make those anymore? Oh, they no. make them. No, they're just hard to find. I mean, they're not like they used to be. Like you said, every Kmart, Walmart, everybody, everybody had them. Right. And you could get them. They were cheap. Right. You know, and so as a kid, you know, you went in there and you bought two or three love lures. So uh, when we get through here, uh, I'll let you show me on the Miradine lures. Uh. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Mir- your Zuri, your Zuri makes some great. I had a customer of mine. He fishes down in the Everglades, and he came to my boat one day. And uh, this is an interesting story. He came to my boat one day, and he said, I want you to fish this here. I said, we'll tie it on and fish it today. So it's him and his wife. We're out there fishing, you know, and we're catching snook on live bait. And it was a really good day. We caught a lot of fish. And uh, we, we pull up there, and we're at – we're at the end of the day, and um, we're catching all these little rooster snook. And, I, you know, they're anywhere from 18 to 24 inches long. We're sitting there just catching them every throw. And I kept noticing this big strike in the mix of the smaller fish. And I'm fishing. I'm trying little bait, dead bait, cutting the tails off of them, hooking them different. I'm trying to catch that big fish, and he won't hit. He's smart. She's smart, whatever. And uh, he goes, try that lure, try that lure. And I said, man, I said, he. Was it the silver minnow? No, it, this is, no, this is a. The uh, Uzuri? It's a Uzuri. It's a prop bait. It's a top water prey, and it's aggravating to watch it. And we'd done caught a few little snook on it previously and he said man i'm telling you you throw that you throw that usury out there you'll catch that fish catch him cap catch him i said all right so i put the thing down and this fish had been striking around out there 20 30 yards in front of us i throwed that thing out there one time brought it to the boat and had to snatch it away from some little snook i throwed it out there again and worked it back and i seen that fish boil it it was a big pull and i said golly that was him and i worked it back and didn't take it i throwed it out there again and let it sit on the water for about a minute and a half took everything i could do to let it sit there that long and right there where he was striking it, I yanked it one time. That big old fish ate that plug. I, I keep that plug tied on my console now. And, and, and when I've got big fish doing that, I haven't caught another big fish after that. That fish was about 36 inches long. But, you know, that's that's my favorite little top water plug right now. I've got we'll, have to, we'll have to look at that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we got to take a quick break. Broadcasting live out here at Southeastern. Southeastern Tackle at the corner of Florida and Fortbraska. Come on out. It's the big sale going on today. You can buy one, you get three free on a lot of items out here. Come by and see us today. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by Brandon Ford and the great folks at G5 Feed and Outdoors. And welcome back, Big and Wild Outdoors. Man, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful morning to be outside, and I'm glad I'm here. Uh, before the break, we had Kevin Little. He's still there. He's right, there. right there. I know he's in yeah. camo, but he's right there. Yeah. He hadn't disappeared completely. Talking about all kind of stuff going on, and of course, sharing some of the uh, best topwater baits, fishing lures that's going on the market right now. And if you're looking for those, they have plenty of them on the shelves inside they the do. store. They do have more stuff than you can look at in a day. But uh, that, I told him. That plug that you got hanging up on your console, uh, what was that called again? It's, I, it's a Uzuri. It's a Uzuri. It's a top water bait. It's got a propeller on the back, and one of my good client friends give it to me, and uh, you know, it's just it's caught some really nice fish. I keep it there. Well, I went down to Boca Grande and uh, and done some fishing, and I, of course, uh, I was looking for. 
I'm looking for from a bass fishing side. Man, if I was, you know, I don't have a lot of saltwater fishing <laughs> under my belt. But so I looked in there and I said, man, you know what? I'm going to use this. What is this called? And, of course, I had to use my buddy's boat and had all his tackle. So I was looking through <laughs> Doug's tackle box and thinking, well, uh, this in here looks pretty good. And uh, I don't know if it was the name or the color that caught my eye, but I, I put on that white plug. It had a little bit of red on the head of it. and it, Perfect. The badonka donk. And uh, I threw it out there first cast, and here I had it, man. It was on. So it, that was one of those things. Once you get a little confidence in it, you'll cast all day long, which all that's day. what I did. And uh, Yeah, I've man, got one like that from Lisas and Lures that has one of those. He designed it, and he's in our club. But, oh, he's got some things that, that he sold to us that – you can't find anywhere oh, else. Oh, I'm a big bag collector. We need to talk after this <laughs> okay. show. Yeah. But we'll I, talk. <laughs> on that thing, one of the biggest things that was aggravating for me, it wasn't any jet skis or any other things going on around me while I was fishing, but every fish I reeled to the boat, I had to fight the, the dolphins off of it. Oh, and once goodness. I got them to the boat, they knew. You had to go there. You had to go there. <laughs> I went. To, I, I threw the first snook back, and next thing I know, <laughs> fish jumps in the air, and they just wait for it to hit the water, and they're gone. Right. You, know how you, you know how you get rid of dolphins? You move. <laughs> you start. You start throwing a black barracuda cast net. Oh boy! You throw a black barracuda cast net out uh, out in the water. Just throw it out there a couple of times. Freaks them out. They out. Is it the color? It's that's whatever that you know that big black shadow that comes in there and hits the water. It just totally freaks them out, and they don't like it. Well, a lot good. of the captains that, that buy the <laughs> the the black ones, uh, they keep them in there for when they're running bait and all that, and they're fishing. They got to throw because the dolphins. They'll tear up a net in an First, instant. I heard of that. Yeah, but they will tear. They will tear a net up. There's some dogs. They'll go around. get in a fish that'll tear into a net, and those black ones, man, they just they go the other yep. way. They'll pull that. They'll you'll have a big bag of bait, you know, like twenty pounds of uh, greenbacks, and you're pulling it up to the boat, and all that bait's running down there towards the lead line and grouping up. They'll run in there and grab that whole wad of bait yep. and just rip the side out of your net. I've had them rip. I mean, you know, you're throwing that net, you're pulling your net in, you're gathering all your rope up, and you're doubling your hand on it to be able to lift it up. You get the net right <laughs> to the gun over your boat. This dolphin comes up and grabs. It and snatches you to your knees. That's kind of spooky. It's kind of spooky at 5 o'clock in the morning. You know, you got a half a cup of coffee in you. But I'll tell you something else. And that. ruin your net. Oh, man, it trash your day. Cobia do that, too. At those markers out in the middle of the bay, I've had those big cobia, 40, 50-pound cobia, come up there and just, just strike that bait right in your net. I mean, they don't have teeth like that, but they'll they'll tear it up, too. Uh, thank you, Captain. Uh, Flipper John McDaniel <laughs> He took us out there And said here You throw this bait net Out here <laughs> Now I know what It was all about I thought it was just Because I knew how to throw No he said, <laughs> Well you open your mouth He goes Yeah I'll throw Cast in for it He goes Guess what You get to get up there And get wet Get up there And start throwing that thing man But you know what I, I, I told the guy I come out fishing That afternoon He actually took me To this point And I said Man I'm tired of feeding These fish to the dolphins That ain't right Let's just troll up there uh, Closer to the shoreline To release it and, you know, he, he, you can't do that because if you put that snook in the boat and the man sees you and you, you start moving, yep. you're keeping the fish, and now you're in trouble. It's catching as soon as you release it. Right, I was right. like, oh, my goodness. I you just, know, I've it was done terrible. That, though. I've done that, though. Been on a good snook bite, and them dolphin come up there, and I've got a 50-gallon well that's run by two 1,600-gallon pumps. So I, get, I can keep my bait alive and keep my fish that I'm going to clean at the end of the day alive in the same well. And a lot of times I'll put them snook in there, but before I leave that spot, 
you know, I crank my motor up and do me a little dido circle out there, kind of spook the dolphin off and let him go. And, too, what's happening is when you fight that snook to the boat, you know, he's getting all of his blood pumped up and yeah, everything. he's tired. He's tired. So when you go, go to let him go, you know, he, he's just running off down there to the bottom. That dolphin runs down there and picks him up. He don't have a chance to get not away. Not a chance. Not a problem. But prayer. when you leave him in that live well and they kind of get their senses back together and, and they, you know, they're not confused anymore and you let them go, boy, they can go, they take yeah. off. And you give them a fighting chance. But, man, I tell you what, them dolphins are something else. They're, they're a captain's worst nightmare. Well, and not you know, even on Fort DeSoto there for a while. You know, they had that pod of dolphins, that, and then they had babies. And then, of course, what are they doing? They're teaching their babies to, oh, to do yeah. it. The boat. So now you got a whole other generation that uh, knows the trick. To, uh, as soon as somebody catches a, something off that little reef there and has to reel it across the danger zone, the DMZ, uh, you know, they're waiting. And what people don't realize, you know, if you're a captain, you got a live well full of bait. You know, I've got a 50-gallon live well back there that's got 2,000 greenbacks in it, and they're peeing and pooping in the water, and all that's going back out, making like a chum slick across the water. Them dolphins, I've watched them do it. They'll go over there to a guy that's fishing with shrimp, and they'll leave that boat and come over there, and they'll get my chum slick come right to the back of my boat because they know I'm fishing with greenbacks and I'm catching fish. And they'll sit there right around your boat. And like if I'm grunt fishing or snapper fishing off the edge of the channel out there, they'll wait till you hook a fish, get him halfway to the boat, and they'll run up there and grab him. They'll pull him out there 20 yards, come to the top of the water, and they'll hold on to him while you're trying to pull yep. your boat. And they'll pull the hook. I've had a bunch of them not even hold the hook. They'll hold the fish. You'll pull until you pull the hook, straighten the hook, or just break the hook off, and then you just retie and you go back to it. When we've got that dolphin up on top of the water, I tell my clients, I said, y'all better catch them now. Catch them while we got a chance. Got him busy. <laughs> yep, got him busy. That's well, they'll right. do the same thing at Fort DeSoto. They, they don't grab the hook. They don't take the whole fish. They just get up, get up, either catch them sideways or catch them by the head, and they wait for you to – to jerk the hook out and oh, then once man. you pull the hook out they're like thanks and then they swim yeah. right off when you're tarping fishing at the skyway and you're cutting bait up drifting it back underneath the skyway to you know underneath the shadow lines and yep. your free line they'll come in there and they'll eat your chum right as soon as you drop it over i've watched the chum go down about six or seven feet dolphin come up there and eat Boy, your chum right off just they're... free meal man Man. It's like throwing, it's like throwing bread to seagulls. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> That's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell it to the okay. dolphins. Okay, tell them to take them dolphins somewhere else and drop them off. Yeah. Well, Captain, <laughs> before we get out of here, before we let you go, if, uh, to our listeners, anyone looking to do some fishing has uh, the fishing recovered a little bit, is things a little better? Or was they as bad as they, uh, the media made it out to be with the red tide? And uh, just how big of an impact did it Put on you guys. The red tide was as bad as every as as media was making it out, and uh, uh, on the coastline beaches down south, Port Man, uh, not Port Manatee, but uh, you know Sarasota, Venice, all the way down into Charlotte Harbor, it was really bad. I mean, they they've seen some devastating stuff. I've got a buddy that fishes out of Pine Island Sound. He told me the other day that. Uh, it's killed so many mullet and run so many mullet off that he's not going to have a mullet season this year. And that was a big part of his income. And uh, he's he's really struggling right now. Uh, but, yeah, the, the red tide was bad. But in Tampa Bay, inside the Skyway, 
It wasn't that. It was. We fairly. I mean, I seen it like one time. I had bait died. Now some of the guys fishing out of uh, like Fort DeSoto, Terra Verde area down there, out of the Big Manatee, they would come to the Skyway and catch bait, and before they could get back to their dock to pick it'd their cuss, yeah. they'd be dead. Yeah. And uh, I, I never ran to the Skyway much this year, only because I had such good bait on the South Shore. I didn't have to go. Didn't have to burn the gas. But the times that I did go out there was just a handful of times. Uh, there was one time that the bait wouldn't come off the bottom. The bait was there. I'd catch the bait on the bottom, put it my live well on the surface, and before I could throw the net again, 300 baits were dead. I just had to pick up and leave. Wasn't no sense in catching it. And a lot of those captains on the uh, coast, on the beaches, were dealing with that. But inside the uh, Skyway, all the South Shore, everything inside the Skyway was fine. The fishing has been unbelievable. We had probably one of the best uh, redfish years on the South Shore. The Pompano fishing was as good as I've ever seen it in my life. And uh, we had a pompano fisher, and what I think had happened, it just pushed those fish more so into cleaner water. They just just ran from the red tide and pushed them in the bay. Well, it split them in two different directions. Offshore guys were saying it was even better offshore this year because the fish were scattering, going back. They were going two different directions. That's right. If you could get offshore with your bait, you know, live bait, a lot of the guys were shutting their whales off, right. putting aerators in them, getting 15, 20 miles offshore, turning the water back on and going across our fingers. Yep, they're living. We're going to catch them today. And they would catch them. But if you tried to run your bait through the water 10 miles off, you was ended up killing it before you got offshore. I mean, they were still catching good fish on that dead bait, but it wasn't like the live bait. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But to answer your question, inside Tampa Bay, the the, the, the captain's like, and I fished out of the Gandhi a lot this year too, uh, the fishing's just been phenomenal. It's just been really good. The trout fishing early in the spring was really good. The snook fishing in the spring and fall's been good. The red fishing's been good. Uh, it, could it get better? Yeah, it could get better, you know, and that, I think that's why you they... You can always say that. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, regardless. Exactly. Right, but the fishing has been really good. The mackerel fishing was crazy good this year. Well, if I wanted to book a trip with you, what would I need to do and how would I get a hold of you? Man, call my number, go to my website. Uh, if you go to my website, my, all my information is going to be there. It's Old Florida Adventures Guide Service. Uh, you know, you just go to that site. You can get my information off there, but call me at 813-763-0024. And, uh, man, I can book you up a trip. Uh, it's, the fish is still good right now. We're doing a lot of power plant fishing right now. And uh, for the Cobian, you know, there's a lot of bonnethead sharks. There's uh, a redfish snook there, too. A lot of pompano. A lot of pompano. That's what I'd like to And for those who didn't get that number, the podcast will be up later this afternoon. Hour three, you can re-listen to it and get that number. Again. That's there right. You go. All well, right, thank we, you there, Kip. we got to take a break. We are the Bigger Wild Outdoors broadcasting live today at Southeastern Tackle. Come by. It's the big giant sale, raising money for Metropolitan Ministries. It's a good thing. And you get all kinds of great deals. We're brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us, guys. Welcome back, everybody. It's Big and Wild Outdoors. Broadcasting live today out at uh, Southeastern Tackle at the corner of Florida and Florbasca. It's a big, giant sale going on today. Of course, this is their once-a-year sale they do every year to raise money for Metropolitan Ministries. And uh, trust me when I tell you, there's deals out here you're not going to find anywhere else. Uh, Buy one, get three free on some of these rods and reels. Uh, Buy one, get uh, three free on uh, tackle and baits and all that other kind of stuff like that. Shirts, hats, rubber boots, waders. I mean, you name it, it's out here. 
and it's all extremely deep, deep discounts, uh, up to 40% off on a lot of these items out here. Some of them are just <clears throat> crazy prices. I mean, you look at it and you go, there's got to be something missing on this rod. <laughs> you know, something's broke off or yeah. whatever, and, and it's not. I mean, uh, you were talking earlier about the – the beautiful Finn Nor combos that you got out here for ninety nine dollars. That anywhere else you go, pie it up there. You can almost double that for that for that combo system. So uh, if you need it, it's out here from cast nets to uh, sinkers, hooks, lure. I mean, whatever you need, it's all out here today going on. And uh, I meant to ask Mark, what time are they shutting this thing down today? I don't even remember. Did do you remember from last year? I don't know. Six, I think seven six. o'clock, six o'clock. And uh, don't forget, uh, you got a few minutes left if you want to call in on the show and get registered for the Wicked Light that we're going to be giving away. It's uh, 888-404-1010, 888-404-1010. It's the headlamp version, a three-in-one night hunting uh, headlamp. So uh, it's a really nice piece of equipment. Uh, everybody would love to have it for sure. So all you got to do to get your name in the hat is just call the show, give your name and a number, and it's all that good. Also, remember, they said something uh, the last two weekends before Christmas. They'll be open on Sunday, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's the only two times a year that they're actually open. Uh, a lot of people wondering where Jonathan is today. He's up in Bluntstown. Uh, Michael, of course, the hurricane went through there and devastated a lot of things. So they're up there dealing with insurance adjusters and checking out the property and inspecting everything up there. And I saw him on social media this past week, all the standing water that's still up there. It's pretty amazing how much. Uh, but the sad part was is to see all those, you know, 100-year-old oak trees and stuff all blown over and knocked down uh, out there in the woods in the middle of nowhere. And biologists will tell you, don't cut them up. Don't move them. Don't take them out. Leave how, them where they are. Leave it lay. Don't change the land. How many times have you seen an oak tree that's blown over that's still growing? Yeah. that's For, what I, mean. I mean, just because it's blown over, it's one thing if it's snapped off, but... A lot of times when you get that tree debris, especially in a, a, a woodland environment, it breaks off, goes down the ground. Well, what it's doing is it's protecting the new growth that's coming up from being eaten by all the deer and everything else. So it's it's actually allowing your tree to get up and grow so tall before those deer get get in on it. Well, it's one of those things where, uh, as humans, you know, we want to go in there and clean up the mess. And uh, I don't think a lot of people understand you know, the media only shows, you know, the devastation of the houses and the homes and all that stuff. And that's, you know, that's horrible. That's what they can get to. That's horrible. That's what you can think about. But, you know, when you get out there in the woods, how much it's actually done to the areas where there are not a lot of people is just as bad. Uh, and seeing some of the pictures that uh, Jonathan had put up, post up on his social media, I mean, dude, it, it knocked over a lot of stuff in there. Some of them old pine trees, stuff like that, yeah, cut them up, do what you got to do. But I'd leave those oak trees there for at least a year or two to make sure, that, like you said, if those roots were going to take hold or they start bending and start growing back up it, against it, the sun. It's amazing. More yeah. habitat. Yeah, exactly. A <laughs> uh, little furrier habitat than your bunnies and everything else might move in there a little bit more. So, uh, Give them a place to hide without the coyotes getting them. <laughs> or the red-tailed hawks swooping in there on them, but... Uh, so that's where Jonathan is. I, I assume he's going to probably be back next week. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, are you going to be here next week, or are you still working on plans for that? I was checking on some uh, lodging and stuff like that. It looks like it's uh, pretty tight and probably most likely not going to be available. Uh, so uh, Where can I'll see you what, not get lodging at? Uh, they're having a big thing up there at uh, Jacksonville. At the Jacksonville kind of 
again up there where the meeting's going to be at. Uh, it's a special invitation only event. Yeah, just it's a. I guess it's a super secret for the shot show kind of thing. It's uh, it's a yeah. pre uh, undercover. How could you not get lodging? Uh, well, when I checked yesterday, unavailable because it's a weekend thing. Unavailable. Well, you may have to stay in Gainesville or you know go to the mom and pop uh, bed bug uh, motel right outside of town. You'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> twelve might. bucks. Stay in Alachua. We bring might your, just have bring Bill your, bring your own sleeping bag. We'll stay at Alachua Farm and Lumber. It feels. <laughs> Is that a real place? Since Bill's going to be up there for the uh, FWC meeting, we'll just have him stay the rest of the week for the uh, yeah. to be out there walking You may have around. to swing over there and be our ambassador, Billy boy. Yeah. You might have to take a drive straight across. It's Jacksonville. It's three hours. Uh, drive up and come back. Yeah, he sleeps in his car anyway, <laughs> yeah. wherever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so It is a this, rolling RV. I don't have know. It. I'm hearing stories of you sleeping an awful lot. <laughs> that, that, no, that was in the past before I had that CPAP machine, man. Now oh, is that fall, what it is? Yeah, oh, now yeah. I don't fall asleep anyway. That's why I don't call you guys no more when I'm driving. <laughs> you, used to, you guys used to keep me awake. Yeah, Bill George, he's one of them. If he sleeps in there, you move around in his truck, as you pointed out. you got to have your up-to-date tetanus shot. Yeah, hey, i got exactly. a different vehicle right now. Oh, I'm going to be that. going to this next meeting in camouflage. Uh, well, so well, it won't be the normal vehicle. What would you do, they spray paint it? No, Susie bought me another vehicle while I was out of town. And really? it's a camo vehicle? No, it's camouflage compared to what I normally am driving. Oh, okay. They won't expect it. Ah, so they, when he pulls in the parking lot, they'll go, who's that? Oh, God. It's They're going to say, oh, Bill's not here. Ooh, ooh, Bill's not here. Yeah, case the parking lot. If you see a Suburban come in, let us know <laughs> ASAP. Yeah. You know, you got the guys stab, walking around stab, with the wires in their ears. Stab you know, the tires. Like, yeah. You need to get a Ferrari, get a Ferrari, take the top off, put on your best Hawaiian shirt, roll in there with that down, 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 down. Especially with all the numbers came back last week. Bill was out of town with the uh, 4,500 or 4,250 uh, estimated beer population now. And uh, so they know the Bill's going to come in there wanting a, and demanding a bear hunt. Another bear hunt. Yeah, what are you trying to say? Yeah, didn't somebody get attacked? Yeah. He's Magnum P.I.S. Did somebody get attacked by a bear? Yeah, yeah, not that here, was, not here, yeah. but yeah, not here, but somebody did. Uh, oh, there, bears are going to continue to be a problem. And what what we don't hear is how many bears are being euthanized, destroyed, yep. mm-hmm. and put into landfills every single day yep. in the state of Florida. They're I being, mean, they're, they're not being put in every single day, but there is a lot of bears, and it, we just don't see that number. We yeah, just they, don't want the people. We can't hunt them. We can't let somebody eat them. Nope. But we're going to kill them yeah, we're gonna and put them in a landfill to rot. We're euthanize them. Is what well, you we're see the, uh, uh, I guess a week, uh, about a week back, uh, Coyote got the lady's dog in, in the Sefner area right down the street from my house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, killed her dog that was on a leash. And no, it was of course, a Chihuahua, right? Yeah, his yeah. name was Pinky. And, of course, they had to reattach one of her fingers. I don't know which one. But because uh, she was trying to protect it. And, of course, Coyote still won. <laughs> Run out with little Pinky. So we lost uh, we lost a chihuahua, and we almost lost a guy uh, who got his foot. foot caught in an alligator's mouth somehow or some way. Yeah, that just happened to happen. Did you see the pictures of that when they were trying to rope it and the thing still had this tennis shoe in its mouth? <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, that I'm was not... definitely the obvious one. You're guilty. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not the one. I think that's you, buddy. <laughs> was that a Nike? Uh, I don't know. It was a, one of those white tennis shoes. I thought it was really it was funny at the moment. There was one guy who was sitting here fighting this alligator, got him hooked up on the hook, and the other guy has got a treble hook trying to retrieve the tennis shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and he brings the tennis shoe up. I'm like, really? One of the other trappers, hey, I'll get the gator. Make sure you get that shoe. Those Nikes are expensive. 
You know, I don't, I don't know. But Some Jordans, uh, that's a couple hundred bucks. So I guess he's uh, probably going to go through his uh, cycle of penicillin and all the other things to keep him from getting uh, uh, infection out the yin-yang from that gator's mouth. But uh, just another thing, even though it's cold and it's wintertime, wildlife still likes to eat. And they'll oh, yeah. take advantage of anything that they can do, whether it be in a white sneaker or not, or on the end of a leash or not. So it doesn't really matter. You need to get out there and start working on those coyotes, man. Save a chihuahua. Yeah. Shoot a coyote. <laughs> it, it could be anything. It, it could be. It could have been a small kid. You just never know. Uh, but it's right there at the school. Was it right there that close? Yeah, it was right it there. Was not a, at my house. It, it was, was an educated coyote. Apparently it was because he got away. At least fourth grade. He got out early. Yeah. All right, we got to go, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, big giant sale going on today. Southeastern Tackle. It's at the corner of Florida and Florbasca. Come by. Get your best deals of the year right now. I'm telling you, on rods, reels, combos, baits, tackles, rubber boots, waders, whatever you need, it's all here. Come by and see them at Southeastern Tackle. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors. We'll see you guys next Saturday. Thank you, G5. Thank you, Brandon Ford. We'll see you next Saturday, you guys. Thank Later. you, Thank Later. you, Carlos. Thank you, Wendy Pax. You're welcome. See you. Bye. Get out. Let's go shopping. Yeah. <laughs>